carcass in the alley this morning, tire tread on burst stomach. Uh, this city is afraid of me. I've seen its true face. The streets are extended gutters, and the gutters are full of blood. And when the drains finally scab over, all the vermin will drown. The accumulated filth of all their sex and murder will foam up about their waists, and all the whores and politicians will look up and shout, Is Lost a good TV show? And I'll look down and whisper, I don't know. Hi, welcome to All the Best Podcasts Have Daddy Issues. I'm your host, Nolan Pavlich. And I'm MMA. And uh, we're here to talk about episode 19, season one of Lost, Deus Ex Machina. But before we do, at the beginning of every episode, no exceptions, we've never skipped out on this. Not once. Uh, we like to talk about our relationship with our father. Um, fathers, I should say. I just want to be very clear. Myself and Emma have different fathers. Um, so, Emma, I'm just going to put this question to you first. Has your dad ever conned you out of a vital organ? Um, no. Nobody has. Really? Uh, Nobody has? Yeah, not okay, a single whoa. person, let alone my dad. Oh, all right. Must be nice. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and you're really rubbing this in my face. Nobody's conned you out of a vital organ. That's great. Um, oh, well, your dad has. As, yeah, as I've mentioned on the podcast, my dad does have my spleen, um, and he will not give it back. <laughs> That's pretty messed up. <laughs> yeah, what do uh, what do you think about this episode? Yeah, um, well, I love uh, any lock episode, I guess. Yeah, um, but man, super sad. But like, you had yeah. to see it coming, right? Like, mm-hmm. it was pretty obvious, but still sad. Right, we had not. We, I mean, we. I think was it last episode or maybe the one before where he talks about how. His dad was not a very good guy. Not cool. Uh, yeah. And just based on the general trend of the every other single character on the show, I guess we could have seen it coming that he was going to have some daddy issues. But boy, oh boy. Wow. You would have thought, this was a contest. You would think, oh, well, there's no way Locke has, you know, any of these other people beat. But he comes in strong. He does. In his debut daddy issue episode. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that he's even beat Jack, right? Oh, for sure. Yes, I would say for sure. Because this is to the realm of like a soap opera at this yeah. point, right? Mm-hmm. Like Sawyer is like extremely tragic, but it is something that could conceivably happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack, his dad is completely, is really messed up, but like there's a lot of doctors whose dad's... Uh, really pushed them into being a doctor, but also never gave him approval out there. At this point, we know that his dad is at least proud of him, too. Yes. Right? Yeah. We at least know that his dad is capable of redemption. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In some way. Maybe not. I mean, he still did also operate drunk on a pregnant woman knowingly, yeah. so maybe he's not the greatest guy. But uh, yeah, Locke is at full like soap opera levels <laughs> of uh, my dad is a bad guy. Mm-hmm. But you know we haven't seen uh, we haven't seen Kate's dad yet. We haven't seen. Let's see. We ha- we haven't seen Boone's dad. Yeah. So this episode is called Deus Ex Machina, which means God in the Machine. Typically, it's used as like a uh, it's used as a way to describe a plot element that like comes out of nowhere and solves the problem. You know, the heroes are 
trapped on a sinking ship, so they press the do not sink button or something like that, and the ship doesn't sink. I don't know what it really applies to in this episode, to be honest. I don't think it does. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe guess, if we're looking... Yeah, I don't know. I hmm. guess Locke being able to walk again? Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's just the island is the machine. Yeah. Is that what, maybe that's what they're saying? That's a... Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, this episode aired on March 30th, 2005. Uh, it was directed by Robert Mandel, or Mandel, uh, who directed the X-Files pilot. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, and it was the it's the first episode that was um, written by both Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse, who are the two showrunners for the show. I don't know how many more they write together, but this is the first one. We start off in flashback. Locke is working in retail. Now, this is something that I'm actually kind of shocked because I was ready to talk about this really early on, and it hasn't come up in the show so far. And it's mm-hmm. so what are we? We're at episode 19 by now. Mm-hmm. The creators of Lost, which I guess is J.J. Uh, Abrams, Damon Lindelof, others. I think as they were creating the show, somehow they must have hit an old gypsy woman with their car or inconvenienced her in some way in order to make her put a curse on the show, um, specifically regarding uh, their wigs. Um, (laughs) Lost has maybe the worst wigs of any TV show. And, like, they were a big show. Like, when when episode 19 hits... Lost is a phenomenon at this point. Right. Pretty rough. <laughs> I actually, I'm wondering, how do you think, how old do you think Locke is supposed to be here? I have no idea, honestly. Yeah. It's impossible it's to tell. to say. I mean, okay, so there's definitely like 80s cars all in the parking lot. So my guess is this is sometime in the 80s. But I don't know. I think that could be, well, actually, when did Mousetrap come out? I mean, true. Yeah, I, I can't imagine it really all fits together neatly. Um, Terry O'Quinn, a great actor, not a young-looking man Mm-mm. at this point, um, and it's it is a little bit silly just putting him in a wig. Uh, or maybe I would say maybe try to put it in a put him in a wig that um, just looks like real hair. Head, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That it, that fully covers the shape of his head. Mm-hmm. That'd be something. Um, he is not in a wheelchair. Did we know that he always been in a wheelchair at this point? No, I don't think so. So we we just... Because in the entirety of his first episode, he was. And he doesn't really talk about his backstory much on the island. Right. Um, it was like the big reveal that he was in a wheelchair the whole time. Yeah, he's not in a wheelchair here, and he is explaining the game Mousetrap to a kid. Have you ever uh, played that game? No, I have not. However, there was mm-hmm. a... Um, I'm not sure if it was at Valley Fair or if it was at the Mall of America, but there was a ride called Mousetrap, like, based oh, okay. on the game. And it would just, like, jerk you all around this roller sure. coaster. Um but it was super fun. But that's like my only relationship to Mousetrap. Have, okay. have you played it? We had it at some point. And I mean, it was one of those things where I think all the pieces just slowly get lost over right. time. Yeah. They make their way underneath couch cushions and such. But um, 
I always hated it. I've never, I never liked that game. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, we've already established, I guess, on this podcast that Connect Four gives me an inferiority complex. The uh, Mousetrap, it, it just always, it, it never felt like I was. I, I don't know if you're supposed to win. I never really understood what the rules were of it. It just seemed like it was like something you were supposed to build. But then I was always like, well, why not just go play with Legos instead? Then I get to build something that's not a mousetrap. Um, but Locke seems to have a real love and appreciation for the game, it's so good for him. his favorite game, didn't he say that? Yeah. I think Thank he did, you. yeah. Yeah, that is a wild favorite game. Let me think. Favorite board game? I think it's gotta be Clue for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Anyways, this is a lot of talk for a three-second scene where uh, Locke <laughs> explains mousetrap to a kid... And then a strange woman comes over and asks him about footballs, uh, looks at him very uh, meaningfully, and then takes off. Um, in a fur coat. In a fur coat. Oh, in that a coat. department That's a, store. Yeah, 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 it's great. I, I mean, that coat is great because no matter where you wear, where you are wearing it, it establishes that you do not belong there. Yeah. <laughs> um, you shouldn't be wearing it anywhere. I can't mm-hmm. think of anywhere. Back on the island, Locke and Boone are building a trebuchet at the hatch. Um, Which, and they talk. Do you know how to spell trebuchet? I do. I had one of those like medieval. Or wait, is are you saying it like like it's supposed to like everyone knows how to spell it? No, because they were talking about it in the episode, and then I was mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, do I know how to spell trebuchet? So I wrote it out but then psyched myself out and oh. spelled it wrong but i spelled wait, it wait how right. did you spell it well i spelled it right the first time and then i added an a between the e and the t at the end oh sure okay yeah i i had one of those like medieval like explaining warfare like siege weapons and all that kind of stuff books that i used to just read like nonstop and look at all the pictures so that's a pretty common word uh, in my vocabulary. Oh, sure. well, not common. Yeah. I wasn't constantly talking about trebuchets, but I had seen it before. Um, I do believe that Boone, up till this point, has led a life where he had no idea how to spell trebuchet. Absolutely. He'd never heard the word before. Yeah, he'd never even heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is extremely funny to me because Boone talks about how like they've been coming here for weeks uh, to try and figure out how to open it. But, like, up until this point, we have not seen them try to open it once. No. Um, like, they've ta- they've we've seen them, like, sit around it and look at it one time. And we saw it when they discovered it. But other than that, they haven't actually tried anything. So to go from absolutely nothing to Locke has constructed a bamboo trebuchet is very funny. Mm-hmm. Boone says that Locke never talks about himself. And then Locke says, my story would bore you. I guess, I mean, I, it's just him not wanting to talk about himself. That is crazy, though. Like, if if all we know about Locke is just the events of this episode, that's the most interesting person yeah. you've ever heard of. <laughs> right. If this happened to me, I would never, ever stop talking about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah, I know this plane crash sucked. You know what also sucked? Uh, when my daddy took my kidney from me. The They try to use the trebuchet, but it breaks apart. Uh, Locke is mad, and he's... He's kind of at the end of his rope now. He's getting frustrated saying it was supposed to work. And Boone points out that he has a big old piece of shrapnel in his leg. Yeah, like three inches. 
Oh, even more than that, I would say. I would say that if you told me that that shrapnel had fully gone completely through his leg, I would believe you. Yeah. That was a long piece of shrapnel. Yeah. Locke bandages himself up, but he can't feel his legs again. He starts poking them and he can't feel it and he burns the bottom of his foot. I gotta say, that's gonna suck whenever he can feel them again. Yeah. That's not, that's not a wound that. that's going away. Yeah, I would I'd try and test in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Boone asks, you know, what are we gonna do next? And Locke says that the island will tell them what to do, but he's starting to like have trouble walking. Like at this point, he's like kind of getting up and walking weird. Um, so it seems like maybe whatever magic is propping up his uh, non-working legs is uh, starting to fail or some kind. You know, well, I guess we'll talk about it at the end. The What's going on with Locke in this episode is pretty interesting, to be honest. Yeah. Back in flashback, Locke is going to his car uh, when he sees uh, that same woman again. He's rushing over to talk to her in the parking lot, but he gets hit by a car. Uh, and then he gets up and he's fine. Uh, I think this is supposed to be a fake out, right? For us, like, thinking about how Locke lost the use of his legs. Mm-hmm. And I think, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure, but I think we might, over the course of more flashback episodes, get maybe some more fake outs. In my opinion, it is, it's dumb. I don't like the idea that Locke, how Locke got in a wheelchair is a mystery. Yeah. I never thought that that was all that important. The cool thing about him is that he can walk now. Not that he... It just seems weird to make that part of mystery. Right. Like, anybody could be in a wheelchair for any reason. <laughs> Typically not a very meaningful reason either. So, yeah, I don't know. But uh, he gets up, goes to chase after the woman, and uh, she says that she's his mother when he finally catches up. They go to a cafe and talk for a little bit, and... Uh, he says, she asks about him being adopted, but he said that he never was adopted. He was in multiple foster homes over the course of his life. Um, and then she tells him that he's special and that he was immaculately conceived. Now, we have previously talked on the Claire episode, uh, Emma, about how you are adopted. Mm-hmm. Is, is this pretty consistent with uh, meeting biological parents, would you say? Um, yeah. Um, Every single one were of hit, us is. You were hit by a car? First. Every single one of us is immaculately conceived. First oh, off. really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, um. <laughs> no, yeah. Very standard. Locke's story is very standard of all adoption okay. and foster cool. care stories. Yes. And have you your mother's fur coat? Do you have that, or like what is a? Uh, Not are yet. All, are they all wearing? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> but all moms who give adoption do have fur coats like that. <laughs> yeah, that's how you pick them out of a crowd. That's how you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back on the island, Sawyer goes to Sun, looking for an herb. He's, or a plant of some kind, I suppose. He's holding two out to her, and she tells him, you know, take this. And he says, well, I've been taking this one, and it doesn't help. Um, Kate comes by and asks what's up, and Sawyer has been having headaches. Sun, I guess, has been helping him. I do like how, as Sawyer was leaving, he goes, nice garden. I thought that was nice. Mm-hmm. But Kate goes to Jack to take a look at Sawyer. And Jack says that he's not going to because he'll just get a snappy one-liner and a nickname. Fair. Yeah, I think that's really fair. I think it's uh, it, like the the idea that he's helping Sawyer at all at this point is wild. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 
Sawyer's been very mean to him, especially over the course of the show. And Jack tortured Sawyer. And yeah, and also, yeah, also, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're They buddies. haven't been great back either, yeah. Mm-mm. But that's where Kate comes in, I guess. Boone uh, tells Locke at the hatch that uh, he's not going to help anymore. They argue about the island, like, sending a sign. Uh, and as they're arguing, a plane crashes overhead. A little, uh, uh, I think, does he call it a beechcraft? I think so. Yeah, a little yellow plane. Uh, Locke asks if Boone saw, but then Boone starts to be, he looks at him and he's like covered in blood. Mm-hmm. And he sees his mom too. We realize this is a dream. Um, Boone starts saying, Teresa falls up the stairs, Teresa falls down the stairs. Uh, and Locke sees himself back in a wheelchair. So he wakes up and then goes to get Boone. Again, I think... <laughs> I think there's a point maybe later in this episode where Locke says this is the realest, it it was a dream, but it felt like the realest thing he'd ever experienced. Didn't feel particularly real. Lost just does not nail dream sequences, I don't think. No, but this one is considerably better than Claire's yes. dream. Oh, yeah, 100%. I would agree. Yeah. And I guess this isn't really a dream. This is more of a vision that the Islander, something is sending him, so... Maybe that makes sense, but back in flashback, Locke hires a private investigator who I don't think we ever get the name of, um, but he rules. There's kind of this thing, I mean, we've seen it a little bit, right, with like Hurley showing up in Jin's flashback through the TV, uh, Sawyer in Boone's, um, Jack's dad in Sawyer's. Like, there's all these little connections. I don't think that this PI ever shows up again, but he seems like he'd be the perfect kind of guy to, like, bring people together in Mm -hmm. terms of, like, somebody else hiring him for a private investigator. Yeah. But uh, he finds out, Locke finds out about his mom. Her name is Emily Annabeth Locke. Uh, She's schizophrenic, but not violent. Um, And Locke asks about his dad. And the PI is reluctant, but does tell, give him the information. He basically says, like, you may not want to know. Like, this guy may not know anything about you. Mm -hmm. Which is... Fair, I suppose, in terms of, you know, like, maybe you don't... Maybe, like, trying to start a relationship with this guy isn't the greatest idea. And obviously, uh, that is correct. It is not the greatest idea. Mm. Um, But I think in general, like, wouldn't that be... Why would you try to discourage someone from finding out that info? Like, for all you know, Locke is trying to find out for, like, medical history reasons or something like that. Like, uh, he may not... (laughs) it, It seems weird to, like, automatically put that judgment on him. Or maybe he just fully smells the daddy issues on Locke, like, from the get-go. So he's he's trying to let him down easy. Mm-hmm. Locke drives to Anthony Cooper's house, and there is a guard posted out front. So Anthony Cooper has money, for sure. This, sitting in the guardhouse, and just telling people whether or not they're allowed in the gate, in my opinion, as I'm, like, watching this episode, I'm thinking that would be the greatest job ever. Yeah, just sit around and tell people, like, no. Yeah, you just, no, you can't go in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes, please, sir, go right on in. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the time I'm sitting there listening to a podcast and enjoying that that sweet California breeze. Mm -hmm. I just think that's so funny, because it's not like it's for a business. I mean, like, I don't know how many guests Anthony Cooper has that he needs a guy to, to let people in, but good for him, frankly. He's doing well for himself. Uh, he meets Anthony Cooper inside... 
Um, so, so here's another problem with this. I mean, we already talked about how we don't really know what age Locke is supposed to be. This his Cooper is played by Kevin Ty, and Locke's mom Emily is played by uh, Swoozy Kurtz, which I I should have looked it up. Swoozy, fantastic name. That I rules. know this. I imagine that's a oh okay. Yeah, it's it's pronounced uh, Swoozy. Swoosie. Yeah, like rhymes with Lucy. And she is a military brat. And she was named after the Boeing that her dad used to pilot. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, her... did, you, did you look that up for this or did you just know that already? Oh, I just knew it. No, I, I looked it okay. up. Yeah. Well, okay. I didn't know. Maybe if you do f- from something else. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I... Uh, so very like Elon Musk and Grimes, right? Like, but a way better name. Yeah, I, in my opinion, <laughs> what's their, doesn't their kid have a number in there too? Yes. Yeah. Like, good Lord. Um, I approve of literally everything else Elon Musk has done, but I'm not a fan of the way that they named that kid. No. But Swoosie, um, that's great. Yeah, Swoosie's great. Mm-hmm. I think that should be a, just a more, that should become a more common name. But all this to say, uh, Kevin Ty, born in 1944, and Swoosie, also 1944. So they're the same age, which makes sense. Uh, they're the parents. And then uh, Terry O'Quinn, born in 1952. Uh, so Terry O'Quinn is eight years younger than them. <laughs> and it kind of makes sense. I mean, I don't know. I guess that's what happens when you just have one guy in a wig and one guy with, like, the white hair. Mm-hmm. Where you can kind of be like, yeah, these guys... I mean... Presumably that she would have had him young, so it's possible that they're fairly close in age. Obviously, eight years is a stretch, but it's just so hard to take it seriously. Where, like, Locke is, while he's meeting Cooper, he's doing the, like, oh, uh, yes, sir. Well, yes, sir, I do like that. Yeah. But, like, he's like, he doesn't look that much younger than him. No. <laughs> like, it's so, it's so hard to take him seriously. Hey, this is... Hmm. They put a wig on him and then put so much bronzer on him. Like, more oh bronzer God, than should ever be on a human being. If you put your finger on his face, it would sink, like, half an inch yeah. deep. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> he got the he got the Donald Trump special. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem... So, like, I think Terry O'Quinn's performance, especially towards the end of this episode, is fantastic. Uh, he does a great job, and it would maybe be jarring, but I do kind of think they should have experimented with having other people play them. Yeah. The The problem is the flashbacks function as narrative device, but it also is a way to get the actors to not be running around in, like, uh, you know, sweaty shirts and blood-stained whatever the whole time and, like, actually, like, you know, get to dress normal and, and you know, film in civilized so- society, so... I understand why they want to have it be the actors that are doing it, but I just think this would have worked better if it had been a younger lock. For sure. Who do you think would have played him? Well, any ideas? Who would have played him? I don't know. Uh, let me see. 2005? Timothy uh, Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, I think I think seven-year-old Timothy Chalamet could have absolutely yeah. nailed it. I think he could have... I, I would have really bought it when he was explaining how Mou- Mousetrap is his favorite board game, I think. <laughs> you know what's weird? What I was kind of thinking, and I've never thought this before as I was watching this, but I do actually think Terry O'Quinn would have made a good uh, 
Agent Cooper from Twin Peaks. Yeah. I think he actually might have been able to nail that. Yeah. Um, I can see that. At least, like, a part of the FBI force. Yes, for sure. sure. Yeah, he could have... I mean, because basically that show portrays the FBI as, like, weird mystical shamans, and that's basically what he is in this show anyways. But the problem is, Kyle MacLachlan's got that hair. Terry O'Quinn can't compete. Oh my god, he would have been a really good Garland Briggs. Oh yeah, he would have killed that. You're right, that that would have been better, yeah. And not just because they're both bald. Like, he would have been able to deliver that speech to Bobby, like, perfectly. 100%. All right, well, whenever they reboot it, we'll get Terry O'Quinn, we'll get whoever made this wig for him to make a new wig, and we'll get him in there. Um, (laughs) uh, So he meets Anthony Cooper. They sit down and have a scotch together. Um, When you, (laughs) let's say you, Emma, are uh, the person going to meet Anthony Cooper for the first time, and you hear his voice and then see his smile, what is your immediate reaction, would you say? Uh, public places from now on. Yeah. We're never meeting <laughs> at this man's house ever again. Okay, mine would be, this is the devil. I am speaking yes. to the devil right now. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, the, he's, um, he's, uh, he gives off an aura of menace uh, just by uh, being charming. And he, mm-hmm. you do kind of see how he could be charming too, but it's it's hard to... I think the only way that this con works on Locke is because he's so desperate yeah. to have a father that, like, otherwise, I mean, boy, oh boy, this isn't really a very good con at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but they decide to go uh, hunting together. Um, Locke explains his dream to Boone and tells him that they got to go after the plane. Uh, Boone is skeptical until Locke mentions uh, Teresa. Jack goes to check in on the raft and then check in on... He decides to check in on Sawyer. Sawyer, his immediate reaction is, of course, to try and drive Jack away, but then ask for help. It's hard to tell. I kind of think that maybe Jack knew from the beginning. Because he's... He does not... He's very rude to Sawyer (laughs) from from the start about how it's like, why, do you think it's a tumor? Like, that kind of thing. He offers to test Sawyer for different stuff, but uh, Sawyer, of course, says his insurance ran out, so there's the the snappy one-liner. I'm bummed that Sawyer did not call him Dr. Quinn, medicine woman, in this episode. It yeah. seems like a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Agreed. On the way to uh, the plane, Locke uh, starts stumbling. He's, he's having trouble with his legs. As he's like getting back up, he finds a rosary... And they end up finding a whole uh, priest's corpse. They inspect the body and, like, (laughs) they determine that it is a Nigerian priest who has been there anywhere from two to ten years. uh, Who also has a gun. Um, When that body fell from the tree, um, a... the centipede that, like, crawled out of the eye socket... That's yeah. called a mukare, and I have seen one of those in real life, and they are terrifying. Ugh. When we were in Japan, we saw one that was, like, probably about the same size as that, and, like, whoo, whoo. Sure. Really, really yeah, scary. Yeah, it activates something primal in your brain Yeah, when you see that kind of thing, where you're just yep. like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not supposed to peacefully coexist with this thing at all. Mm-mm. <laughs> Um, but I will say, if I died, 
Um, I'd be fine if one was crawling around in my skull. I think yeah. that'd be, I, I would have no issues with it, I but I want to die first. Mm-hmm. I do think that this is really funny where he pulls out like a big wad of money and says that the guy's from Nigeria and Boone gets this really confused look on his face. And I thought for sure he was going to say, how do you know what Nigerian currency looks like? But instead he says, what's a Nigerian priest uh, doing on an <laughs> island in the South Pacific? It's like, well, his plane crashed. Same as yours, you dunce. Right. <laughs> it's much more interesting to find out how Locke knows global currencies. Mm-hmm. He didn't look very closely. It's like No, he, he didn't. He seems like he knew right off the bat. Yeah. It seems like maybe his his next plan was to try a some sort of uh, native spirit journey in in Nigeria after mm-hmm. Australia didn't work out. Yeah. So maybe that's where he was going. <laughs> okay, so back on the beach, Sawyer he's starting to get irritated first by the sound of the waves crashing in, but then by somebody banging, like a couple like random ass extras are just banging oh on the beach. Even if I and didn't s- have migraines, that would piss me off. That's what I was going to say. He's like, can you keep it down? And then Kate's like, all right, we're taking you to Jack. But like, that's a ne- that's a normal reaction. Everybody on the yeah. beach should have been saying that. What are you bending that thing for, huh? What do you no really need that for? for? What I would like is if they were putting together one of those, like, like found object bands. I think I'd be fine with it in that case. But it didn't seem like it. It seemed like it was just them making noise on purpose. Mm-hmm. Kate takes him to Jack in the caves. Uh, and Jack... Really starts messing with him, asks him a few preliminary questions, and then asks if he's ever uh, had sex with a prostitute or uh, had an STD. And we get we we gather that he has both. Um, and then Sawyer storms off, and Jack tells Kate that he needs glasses. I do think it's weird that they had Kate there for the exam. It seemed like she needed to be there, except for Jack to humiliate Sawyer with, I suppose. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's, like, the thing that really gets on my nerves about Jack and Kate is that, like, so much of the chemistry comes from, like, Jack being like, oh, I need to protect Kate from Sawyer. Like, leave leave her alone. Like, I don't know. Just, I don't like it. Yeah. It's such a bullying. And I know that Sawyer is is the island bully, but Jack mm-hmm. is like such an asshole. <laughs> I don't, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I mean, it. Yeah, this is this is for sure him like trying to impress Kate in his own right. like weird way. Um, and yeah, it feels really like schoolyard and all that kind of stuff. Like again, at this point, Sawyer has like been racist to literally every single person yeah. on the island, maybe including not... all the white people somehow. Like, he's really found <laughs> yeah. a way to, like, dig in there. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to feel too bad for him or, like, be like, oh, but that's a HIPAA violation. Like, yeah, well, you know, they're on an island. Like, what? But, yeah, this is purely just a power play for him to, like, show off to Kate that uh, he can get the better of Sawyer. And I feel like that's the only time that he really flirts with her. Yeah, yeah, it's, when, it's like when humiliating he's... Sawyer. It's weird. Yeah, I would oh. say that that is a. I think that's a fair criticism. That the only time anybody in this love triangle is interested in each other is when it seems like the other two are interested in each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boone asks Locke while he's why he's having trouble walking, uh, and Locke explains his wheelchair situation, and he says that 
you know, like, that's why he trusts in the island, and then in what the island is going to tell him what to do. Uh, and he convinces Boone. Boone says, can you move your legs? And Locke says, just help me up, son. Which, um, that's big. Mm-hmm. Like, on this show, for a grown man to call another grown man's son, no matter which two grown men it is, that is all he's ever wanted to hear. Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, Boone, uh, I mean, it's pretty, it's not exactly like a subtle uh, contrast, right? Because the next flashback is Locke and Cooper are going bird hunting, and Cooper calls him son and says that they, he's glad that they, you know, met up while they still have time. Oh, we fully skipped the flashback. That's my bad. Uh, we skipped the flashback where Locke shows up to, for the bird hunting, and he sees uh, Cooper undergoing uh, dialysis. Mm-hmm. Um, and supposedly there was a mix-up on the time, but obviously by the end of the episode we realized it was on purpose. His, uh, his kidney is failing. But yeah, the, uh, I don't know, do you think that it's supposed to be, uh, that Locke is trying to con or, or sucker or whatever, uh, Boone here? No, I don't think so. I, Did you I, think I, it seems like, it? no, no, because okay. it seems like that, but that's what it, that's what that would imply, right? Is like Locke calling him son? Like, I don't know, it, it's weird because I don't think that Locke is doing it disingenuously. Yeah. Or disingenuously. I think that he is maybe really forming that sort of attachment to Boone, uh, and Boone clearly is back. And Locke genuinely believes that whatever they're doing, it's because the island told them and that it's for the good of whatever they're doing to open up the hatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just weird for the very next scene to be Cooper manipulating Locke by calling him son. And Cooper is obviously being very purposeful about his his manipulation. Yeah, that's true. I guess I don't know. Because, like, up until this episode, and I guess a few other scenes peppered in, but Locke is so manipulative. Yes. That it it does kind of raise the question, like... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it seems like everything he's been doing up till now has been for good. Yeah. Right? It's to help Claire, uh, you know, make a crib. Uh, it's to to help Boone, like, get over his crush on his sister. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. to help uh, Sawyer, you know, work through him killing that guy. It's hard to say. We don't really know what Locke's ultimate goal is. Right. Um, and we're seeing this episode, maybe he's not thinking much further than we need to open that hatch. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like Locke has a, a, a goal in mind where he would, like, need to con people. So it's just, it's a weird juxtaposition, I think. Yeah, agreed. Uh, but yeah, they're, um, they're bird hunting. Cooper calls him son, says he's glad, up, glad that they met up while they still have time. And then, yeah, this is not a very good con. Like, this is... Uh, so transparent with what's happening. The wild thing about this is, I do think that if he had just asked Locke, like, hey, I'm your dad, I would, it, I know that you don't know me, but I'm, you know, maybe this is a horrible thing to ask, can I, would you be willing to give me a kidney? Locke for sure would have said yes. Yes. 100%. He did not need to do all this. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Boone explains that Teresa was his nanny, Boone used to stay upstairs, 
and call her on the intercom to make her come up and down the stairs a bunch. And eventually she falls down the stairs and breaks her neck. And Boone was six when he did this. So obviously up till this point we did know Boone was a rich boy, but boy, he was a rich boy. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been in a house that had like an intercom? No, I don't think so. My Have aunt you? had one. Really? Yeah, she had, yeah, it, but like her house was big. The, the property was big, but the actual house was not like gigantic. It was maybe a little bit bigger than you would think you would need for a house. It was a good, it's a, it was a great property. Um, but it had like these weird intercoms at like the front of every room. I don't know when they, I mean, it probably they was put in in like the, the, the 80s. I don't know, but it like, they didn't work very well. I didn't really understand what the purpose of them was. Did they use them? Like, functionally? No, I, I don't think I, I, I don't think I ever saw them use one. I remember trying to use them and not being able to figure it out. So maybe they did work and I just was too dumb to understand how it worked. But when I was a kid, I used to play with them all the time and never got them to, was never able to like talk to someone on the other side of the house. Mm-hmm. But it was just weird because it was like, it really was not a big enough house to need an intercom. You could have shouted from anywhere in the house and somebody else could have heard you. Sure. I mean, um, now, like, with cell phones and everything, I, I hope that's an obsolete. Yeah, you just put a you put a ring camera in every room <laughs> and then talk to each other through that. Yep. That stuff is wild to me. Do you have a ring camera? No. It's weird. I think it would freak me out more than anything Whatever it else. would prevent. Yeah, like, yeah. because we're really good about locking our doors. I feel like if I mm-hmm. even once saw someone who is maybe even at, like, the wrong apartment building, right? Like, sure. And yes. tried to get into ours, it would freak me out to the point where it's like, like, okay, we got to go. We have to move now. Like, it's not <laughs> safe here, you know? Like, yeah, That sure. stuff just gets me. I don't know. Yeah. What about you? Um, Do you have one? No, okay. it would be, I live in an area that is uh, not particularly, uh, it would be very weird if I just put a ring camera in on our apartment. Um, I personally, like, my parents have one. My mom has a, has one, I know. Um, I, I guess for some people it, it makes them feel more peace of mind, but I w- I'm the exact same as you. I think I would fixate on it. Mm-hmm. And I would also be very worried about, like, they're for sure selling that, right? Like, all that that data to somebody although oh, they have they, to they've got to be storing up your footage i mean i guess it i guess it doesn't matter too much for your front door but mm-hmm. i see all the time on on like a tiktok and that kind of thing like people have it in their kids room um, yeah Mm-mm. like i've seen there's a quite there's a kind of a genre almost of like people seeing that their kid is getting out of their bed and like telling them through the camera hey you need to get back in your bed and then the kid you know freaking out because why wouldn't they freak out at that and I'm just like, boy, I would not trust that even a tiny little bit. No. Nope. Baby monitors? Sure. A yeah. ring camera in your child's room? I don't know. I don't know yeah, I would not want it to be stored. Right. I just would, the, the monitoring is fine, I think, but the storage is where I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. But yeah, the uh, as Boone tells him the story, Locke starts laughing. Uh, he looks up and sees the plane behind Boone. Um, kind of a weird moment. Um, Mm -hmm. Locke does, you know, he's presumably been a part of society, uh, up till this point. So like, he does understand how social cues work and how, even if he did find that funny that they found the plane right then, it would be a very weird thing to laugh at. 
But it's up in some vines, and Boone has to be the one to go climb up it because Locke's legs aren't working. So back in flashback, Cooper and Locke are in um, separate hospital beds. They clasp hands. You know, Cooper says, you don't have to do this. Locke says, no, this is meant to be. Locke is really drawn to the idea of, like, destiny. Um, mm. And I think <laughs> his face, I don't I don't know if you really noticed it, in that scene where his mom tells him that he's special, before she, like, gets to the part where, she realize, where he realizes, like, oh, she's crazy, his face is just, like, lit up. Like, he's thrilled. There's mm. nothing that he wants more in the world than to, like, have figured out his purpose. And in this moment, he believes it's all of this stuff had to happen so that he could meet his dad uh, and give him his kidney and they could forge their relationship together, which really, really makes the next the next portion tough. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack tells Sawyer <laughs> that he has uh, hyperopia um, and he really, Sawyer really just, Josh Holloway uh, lays it on thick in this, yeah, I will say, for does. this. He's like, hyperopia. Well, how bad is it? Like, he really, like, lays it on. But uh, he's just farsighted. Um, so he tries on a bunch of glasses, and then uh, Saeed melts two different pairs together. Saeed's only appearance in this episode. We also had no Shannon and no Claire. Barely any Michael, Jin, and Son. Um, yeah. And Hurley, too. I think Hurley was just in this scene. Oh, and no Charlie. Was there any Dominic Moynihan? That's wild. No. Mm-mm. So, Saeed melts the two glasses together. Have you ever tried to do that? No. I had a pair of glasses that broke down the bridge. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not easy. Like, I don't... I, I remember seeing this in Lost and being like, all right, yeah, I'll just do it like this, and this will keep me going until my new glasses arrive in the mail. And then I don't have to look like a dork who has his glasses taped together at school. Um... And it didn't work at all. I just melted it and made it a lot worse. And then they were really loose the entire time I had to wear them. <laughs> and I, so props to Saeed. That's a hard one to get right. At one point, Jack is showing him the glasses and he's like, oh, no. And Jack is like, <laughs> oh, this isn't a fashion show, Sawyer. But it's kind of like, Sawyer, we know you as a character, would wear any sunglasses. Yes. So it's just interesting. <laughs> Yes, for sure. He would say no to glasses that would help him read. Yeah, he's afraid of looking like a dork, but he will uh he will wear the the Hello Kitty yeah. sunglasses that he found so that he can sunbathe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. Do you do you wear glasses? No, I don't. Or contacts. Okay. Mm-mm. What how, so how how young did you find out that you needed them? What? When did you find out that you needed them? Glasses? Oh, I don't need glasses. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought you just said you wore contacts. Oh, no, I don't wear glasses or contacts. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Uh, but it's just like around the Sorry, corner. Sorry, I don't know anything about you. So it's it's fun <laughs> on this podcast to find things out. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, I wear like big ones and I did not find out I needed them until I was like 15. Oh, really? Um, so were you having just, headaches when you were a teenager? I, no, I wasn't really having headaches, but I just, I never understood how people could see stuff 
on like the whiteboard at school. Oh, yeah. And I just, I but like it always worked out where I would always get seated like close enough that I could make it out. It was just difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to work at uh, my dad's, uh, at the shop my dad worked at. Um, and they had a big warehouse and I had to do inventory. And uh, <laughs> so the way that you would do inventory was you would just go buy all the all the different shelves and mark off what, which ones, which boxes, uh, had like specific labels on them. And I couldn't read any of the labels on the top shelf. And I was just kind of like, how am I supposed to, am I supposed to get up on a ladder and do this for each box? Like, how are people doing this? And then I just watched my dad do it. And then finally when it got my eyes checked and then found out like in high school, like, Oh yeah, you need these. Yeah. I know I have a pretty bad astigmatism. Oh, but, really? like, it doesn't really affect me that much in my day-to-day. Because mm. I don't really, like, drive at night or anything like that, so. Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, um, I need to get new glasses here soon. I will say when my, when my prescription gets old, I do get, like, that kind of, like, headache thing now. Because mm. you just mm-hmm. spend so much energy trying to, like, focus on stuff. It actually, it gets to be a problem. Yeah, um, I all this it. to say, I'm proud of Sawyer for putting on those weird mismatched sunglasses yeah. and living his, living his truth. And I love that it's uh, Jack and Saeed both helping Sawyer. Like, I'm yeah. sure now us as an audience, we're supposed to be like, oh, I forget about the torture. Like, this is cute. <laughs> like, yeah. Best buds <laughs> on the island. Yeah, that's good. Maybe Saeed did something to the prescription. To really, it's a know. slow, it's a slow torture. Mm-hmm. Also, this is weird. Hurley, I guess to like add on to Sawyer's humiliation here, Hurley walks by and says that he looks like someone steamrolled Harry Potter. Um, that's an awful burn. Yeah. Uh, Sawyer treats it like he really got him, but like, all the only thing in common is that Harry Potter wears glasses. And There's this is no 2005. way that Sawyer ever read Harry Potter. Like he does not yeah. get that reference. Unless unless Harry Potter crashed onto this island with them, he's not reading it, for no. sure. Um, uh-uh. But uh, I think it's it's just funny because it's like, well, Sawyer, he looks like a really hot guy wearing glasses. <laughs> That's it. He doesn't look anything like Harry Potter. He definitely do- doesn't look like someone got steamrolled. No. Um, but this was 2005. It's right in the middle of Pottermania. So I guess it makes sense. You got to think. Um, I don't think I would do that. I think I might, but then the second it moved at all, I'd be out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Make. But it's not so high up that I think, like, oh, we could never get this down. Like, it feels like they could construct... I mean, at this point, he's built a trebuchet. They... Yeah. Absolutely. They've built, like, two rafts at this point. Like, <laughs> they can do it. 
Michael is building a poop deck right now. Like, we can bet. we can handle a, a way to get this plane down for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more bodies inside of it and statues of the Virgin Mary. And uh, Boone tosses one down to lock. It breaks open. Inside these statues are little baggies of brown sugar. Mm-hmm. Someone was smuggling it. Um, so, yeah, I guess this is how Charlie's, you know, addiction plotline is going to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, boy, if you crash land on an island, right... And you're like, I have nothing. I have no supplies. I've got 10,000 tarps and some fireworks, but that's it. But then as you're searching that island, you come across, I don't know, a year's supply of heroin. Um, maybe that's the greatest thing of all time. Like, yeah. why not? You're, you're on an island, you got enough heroin to last you for the rest of your life. Um, I, that's... Uh, I'd be thrilled about this, but Locke is not thrilled about it. He doesn't understand what his sign is supposed to be. Um, And it is confusing in the context of what's even going on. Like, it doesn't... None of this seems like it applies to the hatch, what's going on right now. Um, Mm -hmm. Boone finds a radio in the plane, um, and it's working. And it shifts again as he starts talking on it, but... um, so he says that we are the survivors of Oceanic 815. Um, and then, do you you have the subtitles on, right? Yeah, I do. So the subtitles um, say that what the person says back, because somebody does respond on this radio. Um, the subtitles say that what the person says back is there were no survivors of Oceanic 815. The Wikipedia for Lost tells me that what the person says is we're the survivors of Oceanic 815. Interesting. Yes. Um, And they're both pretty creepy things to hear coming out of the radio. I mean, there were no survivors makes sense in this context of obviously nobody's discovered them. But uh, we're the survivors of Oceanic 815 is great. That's a fantastic uh, little hook. So... um, Mm -hmm. But it's hard to make out with the plane shifting and Locke yelling and all that. Um, the plane eventually falls. It tumbles end over end. Uh, Locke makes his way over to it, gets out Boone, uh, uncovers him out of all the wreckage. He looks pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Boone ain't looking so hot. Uh, and Locke puts him on his back and starts carrying him back. So his his legs are working again. Kate, back in the caves, is thanking Jack for... Helping Sawyer, but Jack says, well, I didn't do it for Sawyer. Um, Which, again, like you were saying earlier, yeah, (laughs) it's a weird vibe. Yeah. Locke brings back Boone, uh, and Jack starts working on him. Locke says that he fell off a cliff while they were hunting. Jack asks Locke to explain, but then Locke, when he turns around, is gone. Um, So Locke just dropped off Boone (laughs) and then took off, which is wild. Yeah. Back in flashback, Locke wakes up in the hospital. Uh, Cooper has already left. The nurse tells him that he checked out hours ago. Um, the nurse didn't even know that they were related, uh, which is wild. You would think that they should know that, right? Like, you would know. Yeah. <laughs> like, I get that, like, they have different last names, but I think it's probably somewhere on that chart, maybe, if you want to take a little bit of a closer look later. Mm-hmm. 
Locke's mother comes in and apologizes. Uh, she explains that she helped to con Locke because she needed money. Telling Locke that he was immaculately conceived was the the way to get him to look up his dad. Like, again, this is just very... I, I mean, it's possible, I guess, for Cooper to know. But, like, Locke would not have even thought of it as suspicious if his dad had just showed up on his doorstep and said, I need a kidney. Like, he would not even right. have been like... Oh, wow. Well, anyways, weird that we're finally meeting after all this mm-hmm. time. That's cool. Um, Locke uh, breaks down. Uh, he gets out of his bed, um, goes and drives to Cooper's house. Uh, the guard won't let him in now. Um, they know each other he, on a first name basis. I know. It's oh. it's a bummer. I feel bad for that. That's the part of the job I would hate, yeah. I think, <laughs> if I did have that job, is the part mm-hmm. where you got to you got to tell the strange children that they're not allowed to come in through the gate anymore. And then, yeah, he drives away and, and breaks down. This is, I, I mean, this is a well-acted scene. Terry O'Quinn kills it. And it's pretty, I think it's, I don't know, the, the music is great. Um, you, uh, you really feel for him. Yeah. Uh, back at the hatch, Locke is kind of doing the same thing. He's breaking down, he's crying, he's asking, you know, why did this happen to me? Why did you do this to me? When all of a sudden... Um, inside the hatch, the window at the top of it lights up. And, uh, that's the end of the episode. Uh, pretty wild. This was a good one. Mm-hmm. It's a good ending. Yeah. Um, I think maybe last week's was a little bit better with the numbers on the side of the hatch. Yeah. But this was a good one, too. I think this um, is up there with, like, top episodes of the season for me. Mm-hmm. Well, it it uh it came in at number twenty five on IMDb, which is uh, oh, nice. just That's a couple lower than than numbers. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a great episode. So, do you? I I'm curious because I know that you've watched the show all the way through, but it's been a while and um you don't remember a lot of the plot points. Do you remember what's in the hatch? Nope. Okay. Do you want to make a guess right now on the air for what it would be? Oh, man. Um, a traveling couple, they're stranded. Um, uh, Winnebago traveling caravan uh-huh. okay. is the hatch. And oh. um, it's going to be like a same scenario with the priests. Like they're just going to be skeletons. Sure. <laughs> it's just it's just somehow they were traveling through flying Winnebago and it fell. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um I think that's a pretty good guess. Um okay. I'd be surprised if I was wrong. No, I have yeah, no I'd idea. Be, and I, I th- here's the thing. Here's what I think is inside that hatch. I think he opens it up. And I don't know how you open it up. Maybe you gotta get do some Bugs Bunny shenanigans. Pretend to be a pizza delivery man, something mm-hmm. like that. Get him to open up. I think you go inside down there. A full-service Starbucks. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. Fully staffed, fully stocked. I mean, it's 2005, baby. Starbucks are everywhere. There's a Starbucks. They'll build one on the corner. They'll build one on the corner uh, right next to it. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're probably right. Ooh, mm-hmm. I think it's a hot topic. I take back what oh, I said before. That would be great. Yeah, it's 2005. Oh like you said, I think it's a hot topic. Yeah, not nearly enough of these characters have fake lip piercings Mm -hmm. or invader zim posters yep (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, I, I think a hot topic is a great guess. And we'll find out, um, or maybe we never will, I guess, uh, over the course of the show. Uh, but yeah, that's episode 19. Um, Before we wrap up, I just want to say that Boone has never done anything right in his life. Uh-huh. He messes up all the time. And it's mm-hmm. most of the time very comical. Like it's the comical relief yes. of the island that he's not good at anything. And I just think that it's very poetic. And I like that his character arc for this episode is that he pushes himself to do something good for the community of the island yeah and um doesn't heed Locke's wishes and stays with it and connects with somebody else yes so kudos to you boone yeah the last like uh big screw up that uh he's gonna make uh while he's still conscious is that he uh (laughs) is that he uh is doing something heroic for the camp yeah. and like trying trying to be brave. Yeah, which I guess um, is kind of on brand for him, but Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still... I like that he's, you know, doing it. I yes. appreciate that. Me personally, I'm a member of the camp. I wouldn't care about that at all. I'd be furious that there's now like airplane brake fluid in my heroin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> um yeah, Boone I mean, he was really trying to assert himself this episode. He just is caught up in Locke's web of, like, you know, charisma, I guess. Yeah. Um, which is fair. I think I probably would be, too. I don't I really need a daddy that much, but I do like it when people tell me what to do. So I would have done it. I would have been like, yeah, sure. We'll open up the hatch. I'll go, I'll go climb up this for, uh, for this airplane. Why not? For sure. And I think, like, looking back on the episode now and talking about it with you, I feel like, you know, maybe Locke was being manipulative, not, like, necessarily maliciously, but mm-hmm. um, he got Boone to climb up there and put himself in harm's way, you know? Like, right. So maybe there is a lot more in common with his dad than, you know? Yes, I think, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean... He, I don't think he's like you said. He's not partic- He's not trying to maliciously manipulate him, but he did get the information about that Teresa falls up the stairs um, from a boon that is covered in blood, by the way. Which, like, maybe you should have looked into that a little bit there. Locke. Yeah. The, I think that he just thought Boone was supposed to have a part to play in this, and so yeah. his manipulation was getting Boone to do what he thought was his destiny, um, and maybe his destiny is to. Get in a second plane crash. <laughs> yeah. Um, a little bit lower velocity, but still technically a plane crash. Uh, great. Well, Emma, do we have anything that happened uh, this week in 2005? We do. So, John Paul II, the Pope, the sitting mm-hmm. Pope at that time, passed away this week in history. Wow. Um, April 2nd, 2005. Dang. Yeah, his papacy ended, I guess is the official term that they use. Um, So he never found out what was in the hatch. No, he never knew. Yeah. Do you think that once he made his way up to those pearly gates that God told him? That was probably his first question. (laughs) Probably it was his (laughs) first question. He started saying what's in the hatch like uh, Brad Pitt at the end of uh, Seven. What's Mm -hmm. in the hatch? Yeah, I don't know. 
Uh, I don't know much about popes. Uh, seems either. like everyone really likes this new one. Yeah. I am envious of the hat, but other than that, I, I can't say much about him. I'm envious of the mobile. Oh, sure. Yeah. You've always wanted to have a mobile that's named after you, right? The Emma mobile? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Something I would just covered in. Pope mm-hmm. mobile, though. Oh, you would still. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You're not picky. No. It just, as long as it has bulletproof glass, you're good. Yep. That's all I need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, nice. Well, that's, uh, that was episode 19. Uh, next week we have episode 20, Do No Harm, which is a Jack episode. Again? Uh, yep. Number three, baby. Okay. Um, right. It was time. We, uh, we spent a lot of time on... People that weren't one of our four white leads, so now we got to get them all in a row. I'm sure right after that mm-hmm. is another Kate episode. I haven't checked, actually. Maybe it's not. But, um, yeah, we'll catch you guys uh, next week. Uh, until then, get lost. Get lost. Bye.